0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. And let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. For a bit. Amen. Hallelujah. You can turn, if you will, uh, to the book of Genesis. All the way back to the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. Hallelujah. Sister Audrey Pre- uh Printed up a couple of uh of the tongues and interpretation or prophecies we've had. These are from back in one from back in September, the other from October during fall harvest. We've in praying and meditating. You know, gotta understand building this building is a process. Amen. I mean, understand that. And in doing that, we looked at a piece of land, three point Five, six acres determined that wasn't enough land. Looked again at four acres determined that wasn't enough. Uh, Now we're believing God. We're going to contact the people that own the 11 acres and believe God that we can get at least five. We believe it's going to take us five acres to house what God wants us to do in order to park everybody and build the building necessary. Amen. Notice how it keeps expanding. It doesn't, We're not looking for something smaller, we're looking for something bigger. Well, as we begin to talk about that, she was reminded of some, some tongues and interpretations. So I wanted to read them tonight. Then we're going to get into some teaching on, on blessing and finances and wealth and all that type of stuff. This was on September the 9th, 2012. It says, now you've obeyed my spirit and you've prepared a greater place. You've prepared a greater dimension in which I can move and operate. So now you must prepare yourself for greater blessing." You must allow your expectancy, even today, to begin to grow, not only as a church, not only as a people, but as families and individuals, as business owners, as those that go out into the workplace. Begin to allow your expectancy to expand and grow, for surely you've said, God will do more. Surely you've you've preached, you've prophesied, you've declared, you've proclaimed, you've sang, you've praised, you've worshipped, you've said, he'll do more, he'll do more, he'll do more, he'll do more. Now, I'm here to say it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time for that more to be released into your lives, into your finances, into your families, into the church. So prepare and open your arms wide for it's coming your way. Amen. Isn't that a good word from the Lord? It says now, uh, this was on October the 26th during our fall harvest conference, it says now my activity among you is increasing. That which I desire to do, that which I desire to release, that which I desire to give is increasing among you because your activity toward me has increased and because of all that I will do... Let me see, hold on. Because your activity toward me has increased and because of all that I will do, what my word says exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. So during this season, these few days... Allow your expectancy to expand. Let it grow on the inside of you. For your thinking is too small. Your minds are too small. Even your hearts are too small to contain all that I desire to do. But let the expansion begin to take place even tonight. And I'll grow the capacity of your heart to contain what I desire to do in and through you. And you will be astounded, and you will stand amazed at the anointing and the power of increase among you as you continue on your journey and continue on your path toward me in all that you do, in all that you say, and in all that you desire. So, obviously, the Lord's trying to get over to us that we need to have an expanded vision, a vision that is growing, a vision on the inside of us, that is continually growing and expanding. I know Lee and I many times uh, when it came to things in our personal lives, we would look at what we could afford, at what we could do. And God would always, many times, very strongly correct us and say, you can't have that. You can't have that because you can get that on your own. You can get that yourself. You know, all things being equal, we could go out right now as a church, not pray another prayer. Not, not even think about it. We could go out and grab a couple of acres of land. Uh, we could, you know, we've got some money in our building fund account. We could make some down payments. We could go to the bank. We've been uh, uh, very blessed to have a bank that takes care of us. We could borrow the money. We could build a, a church to seat about five or 600 people and everything. We could, do, we could do that as a church. But that's not the will of God. You say, well, what is the will of God? For us to do what we cannot do as a church. For it to expand on the inside of us when we got this building. We were unable as a church to take a million dollars and restore this building so that we could begin to use it to hold services. You know, our little congregation at the time of about 120, 130 people, we did not have the money to do that. But that church at that time, in one year's time, gave six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It was a mir- absolute miracle of God. And then we borrowed another two hundred thousand. How much do we owe on that, Leah? Nine thousand dollars? I think we owe $9,000 on that. We're totally paid off. Our notes totally paid off. So God blessed us. Then the storm came and destroyed it. And we needed $350,000 to restore it. Didn't have any insurance. And God supplied every dime. Everything we needed, every board, every gallon of paint, every piece of sheetrock, every new electrical fixture, all of our air conditioning fix. They say that uh, uh, our air conditioning guy told us that probably a, uh, a tornado hit our air conditioner up on the roof, did all kinds of stuff to it. They fixed all of that. We paid cash for everything, moved right back into the, uh, into the building on Easter Sunday 2009 and been rejoicing ever since. So, you know, there are times when we need to allow ourselves to begin to grasp, grasp or grab a hold of how big God is. How God, I, I like, a, uh, they say on Old Roberts' desk at Oral Roberts University many years ago, uh, 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 there used to be a little sign on his desk that said, dream no small dream. I think many times that's what we do, not only as a church, but as people. We dream small dreams and expect God to do it. And God says, I don't want to do anything small for you. I want to do some, something big for you so that at the end of the day, everybody look at it and say, that's God. God did that for those people. Amen. Amen? So here in Genesis, let's pick it up here at the, uh, what we call the creation. God created man to be blessed. Man fell. God redeemed him. And God blessed this new covenant that we have with blessing and prosperity. Part of the covenant that we have. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 is where we'll go. One of the first things Jesus did or Jesus said when he came out of the wilderness, Luke chapter 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. is has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So obviously... Jesus recognized poverty as being a problem. Amen. If he came to redeem us and he looked at poverty and saw it, he must have done the math spiritually and came up with a conclusion, that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God for God's people to be poor, to not have enough food, to not be able to clothe themselves, to not be able to house themselves, and to worry about what's coming upon them the next day or the next week, the next month or the next year. Amen. And so, thank God, Jesus redeemed us from the curse. The Bible said he was made a curse for us so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon us. Part of those blessings, we'll look at just a minute at Abraham. The Bible said he was very rich. Now, in the, oh, let's see, actually in the 70s, the late 70s, into the 80s, there were some men that God began to raise up that began to preach on prosperity. Uh, There wasn't a lot of of revelation in the church Uh, people would tithe and offer, but really nobody ever taught on believing God for return on it, even though it was in the Word of God. But God began to raise up some people. There were some people that practiced some things, understood some things, and taught it on a limited basis. But then God raised up some voices. Everybody say, some voices. Some voices in the body of Christ that revolutionized uh, very radically The way we view giving, tithing, and offering, and not only that, the effect it should have upon us personally in receiving back from God. Because it is a doctrine of giving and receiving, not just a doctrine of giving. Can I get a better amen than that? It is a doctrine of giving and receiving, not just a doctrine of giving. Now, of course, as man always does, man got in the ditch with it. Especially beginning about mid-'90s up into 2000, 2001 and 2002, I'm talking you couldn't even turn on TV. Every message being preached was about money. Money, this, money, that, that had money, seminars, money, all kinds everything was about finances, money, prosperity, believing God for all this kind of stuff that was just, actually it was just crazy. I mean, it just got absolutely crazy. And then some voices begin to raise up which I believe in my, in my spirit were literally voices that were counter to real revelation that God had given that caused people to go into things that hurt them very much financially. I know that many churches were hurt financially. Many people were hurt financially. Listen, as we said earlier when we were taking the offering, the, the, having the most stuff is not the sign of being in the will of God. If it were, we have to leave this church. And we have to go join the Mormon church. You say, why? They got the most stuff. You say, what do you mean they have the most stuff? As of 2005, the Mormon church is the richest denomination on the planet. No other denomination encompasses more money. More, uh, they own more businesses. They have more money in the bank. That's the, that's the, the, that's the Mormon church. Well, if that's true, we all got to quit this. Go join the Mormon church. So obviously there are some balances, there are some things we have to understand. And listen, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on. You can turn on your TV set today, tomorrow, the next day, and you can watch people, quote, raising money, saying all kinds of things. There are, quote, people anointed with an anointing of prosperity. Let me just say something real quick. When you hear the term somebody saying on television or you go to a meeting and somebody says, I'm anointed with an anointing of prosperity, you need to get up and leave. You say, why? Where is that in the Word? And I heard a guy say this one. Well, that's not in the Word. Well, if it ain't in the Word, I don't want it. The Bible does not talk about Now, there were people that were wealthy and that were blessed, but there is no, quote, gift of prosperity. And there are people that claim that they have a, quote, gift of prosperity. Now, here's how it works. If you give to me, God will bless you. That's not what the Word says. There are no particular vessels in the body of Christ that are designated to receive all of the money. And if we give that money to them, then we're blessed. See, that's erroneous. That's how man has gotten into the ditch when it comes to prosperity. I've heard churches talk about there's an anointing of prosperity upon this church. Not if you don't obey the word of God. If you obey the word of God in tithing and offering and giving, then we all have an anointing of prosperity upon us. Because that's what brings an anointing. That's what brings God's power and God's ability into our midst. But listen, you've got to understand that the thing about prosperity, God wants it just not coming to you but flowing through you. That's why we're very careful around here not to put bunches of money into into savings accounts and CDs and all this. We we, we sow it out. We throw it out. We give it away. You say, why? Because that is the system that we operate in. Jesus said, uh, one of the last things uh, that Jesus said before he was uh, taken up into heaven, Paul, rehearsing what Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, he said, it's more blessed, not blessed, more blessed to give than it is to receive. Which means the giving empowers you, not the receiving. In the world system, it's the receiving. When they bring you the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes, check, you're empowered. When you win the lottery, you're empowered. But see, you've got to understand in God's kingdom, when you give, you're empowered. The world system is based on greed. God's system is based on giving and blessing. Now, when God created, everybody say created. He created the earth. Beautiful, the planet set it in order. Then he created a man. Let, let, let's pick it up here. In, 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 in. Let me look at it here where I was studying this afternoon. It says there in verse, uh, verse eight of chapter two. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God the Lord God, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow. Now, notice this every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of, of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, notice what it says here. I like this. Every tree, God put man in a garden. Now, a garden, one, one translation, uh, one Hebrew translation of the word is actually, a, uh, it's the word paradise. Now, a paradise. I don't, I don't. know if you know what paradise is or what your conception of paradise may be, but paradise or the garden denotes something that is very pleasant, very pleasing, very uh, how does how did it go there? Very, uh, very pleasant, very pleasing. That's it. Very uh, pleasing and very well supplied. Now notice one man, huge garden, bunches of trees. Then it says this. It says in a river went out of Eden uh, to water the garden, and from this it was parted, and became and became into four heads. The name of the West, first is Pison, and it which compassed the whole land of Havilah, which 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 where there is gold. Now notice it says this, and the gold of that land is good, and there is Bedlam, and there's the onyx stone, and then it talks about the second river. And it talks about uh, the other one that came out of there. And then it says in verse 15, And the Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. This is what God did. God said, here you go. I can see him with his arm around him. He's walking around. He says, now look, these are trees. See all these trees? And Adam's probably sitting there going, whoa, look at all these trees. Thousands of trees. Think about all the nut trees, all the fruit trees, all the flowering trees. Trees that we may not even know about right now. Amen? All of these producing trees. Amen? Then he takes him, and he takes him down to a river. And he picks something up in the river. And he dusts it off, and he said, now this is gold. Now, notice what he's showing him. He's showing him what wealth is. He said, now this is, this is gold, this is a diamond, this is a ruby, this is an emerald. One translation said, he showed him what a pearl was. This is a pearl. These are things that are, these things that are, they're precious and they're valuable. He was showing his man what wealth was. Amen. You say, now why was he showing his man what wealth was? Because he had given it to him. The gold was his, it belonged to the man. The diamonds were his, the emeralds were his, the rubies, the sapphires, they were all his. It all belonged to the man, but God was showing it to him. He was, this is a key point, God was showing the man what wealth was, because if he didn't show him what wealth was, God wouldn't know the difference between, I mean, the man wouldn't know the difference between a clay rock and a gold rock. Amen? Amen? So he put him in a garden. He abundantly supplied it. I mean, uh, uh, not, not I guess abundantly is kind of a weak word. I mean, he more than enough, super abundantly supplied everything that the man had need of. Then he saw that the man was lonely. Amen? Now, see, we're talking about wealth. Then he brought to the man, after he'd put him to sleep, took out, his, out of his side a rib. He made a woman and brought him his helpmeet. Everybody say helpmeet. Now, that's another key to wealth right there. He gave him somebody to help him appreciate the wealth that God had created for him to have. Then man fell. And the first thing God had to do to man was to take man out of the garden where all of the trees were where the gold was, where the rubies were, where the diamonds were, where the sapphires, where the pearls were. He had to take him out of there because in the tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the knowledge of life. He had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, when you eat of it, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Or what do we say as we study study redemption? You shall be separated. So when man sinned, he was separated from God. When man sinned, he was separated from his wealth. But then men begin to interact with God. Now, the guy that we studied, I guess more than anybody else, although we looked at Noah, we looked more deeply at Abram or Abraham. So turn there real quick. Let's just look at this for a minute. I think this is really interesting. One simple scripture in in Genesis chapter 13. Now, this is God's man, and this principle will help us understand something today. This is God's man. Remember what we said about Abram in our teaching on redemption? A man that dared to get into a blood covenant with God so that he would offer his or be willing to give his only son so that God could give his only son. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Amen. So here is this man, Abram. Now listen what it says about Abram. Verse 2, chapter 13. Does I say 13 or 12? 13. It says, And Abram, was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Do you see that? It says very rich. Amplified says this. Now, Abram was extremely rich in livestock and in silver and in gold, which obviously shows us this. Men willing to cooperate with what God desires to do. When I say men, I'm talking about mankind, men and women, that desire to cooperate with what God desires to do in the earth to either bring redemption or to live in redemptive truths like we do. God wants to bless them. Let me say that again. God wants to bless them. He wants to put some varies on this side of our name. Very blessed, very rich, very much increased. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about churches on the island and he made a statement about Island Church. And uh, I said, oh, really? I said, well, what, you know, he was talking about what people say, this and that. And he said, "Uh, uh, uh, well, what what do they say about Island Church? He knows I'm, he knew I was the pastor. So well, what do? He says, everybody thinks you're a money church. And I said, why do they think that? He said, well, when they drive by, all they see in your parking lot, they see Mercedes, and they see Lexuses, and they see big pickup trucks, and y'all have got this big old uh, van parked across the street that takes people across. And this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, it just looks like everybody there is rich. I stood there going, what? A money church? Rich? And the guy just he said it again. He said, well, that's just what it looks like. Well, you know, my, my quote definition of a money church is one that preaches on money all the time, talks about money all the time, you know, gets up, takes an hour to take an offer. And we don't do that. We've never done that. We've just lived by the word of God. We've tithed, we've offered, we've given them. And if that's the way we look, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to go down and buy me some banger with four May pops on it. Amen. I mean, you know what may pops are. That's that retread you buy that may pop at any time. I'm not going to go down and buy me some lesser thing, go move into a Section 8 housing somewhere, you know, throw all my clothes away and go to Goodwill. I'm not going to do that because somebody looks at something that God's doing and sees wealth or blessing in it. Yeah. That's what they said. You're a money church because you look like you're rich. Well, I guarantee you that we probably don't have enough millionaires in here, you know, to, to, to sling a dead cat at. That's the truth. We're just all God's people doing the will of God. God has been blessing. God is increasing. That's just what God does. And if there's new cars parked in the parking lot, if there's a big van bringing people across, if we do tent ministry, if we do this and that, well, thank God we're able to do it. And if that—if they think that in a little old building like this we're a money church, what are they going to think when we over here go over here and get five or six acres of land and build a big old auditorium and park about you know five hundred cars around? What are they going to think then? Yeah. But you'd be surprised how many people in the crisis of life—that the true crisis of their life—many times is not a physical crisis. It's a financial crisis. If you go out into the, into the world, most people, if they say you can have one miracle, what will it be? They'll put up their hand and say, I want a financial miracle. Amen. So when we learn to live by these things, understanding the principle that cooperation with the plan of God in the earth brings blessing. Let me say that again. Cooperation with the plan of God in the earth brings blessing. Now, go with me if you will. I just want to look at some of these in the Old Covenant because we got a better covenant based on better promises. Go to Exodus. Let me show you something here in Exodus. Go to Exodus 36. This is after the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They were going to build a tabernacle. It says in verse 3, they're taking an offering up for the tabernacle here. It says, they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. taking an offering every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all of the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they had made. Now notice this. And they spake unto Moses, saying. The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord God commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment and caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp. Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. Now notice this. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make, to make it. And too much. Now these are people that are cooperating with the plan of God, with the will of God, to build a tabernacle. Amen. Now we're not building a tabernacle like in the old covenant. The Spirit of God is in us. Amen. But these people are cooperating with the will of God to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. Moses gets up, he says, now we're going to take offerings There are men in the congregation, they know how to work with the jewels, they know how to work with the stones, they know how to work with the wood, they know how to do all of that. So I want you all to bring an offering. So they begin to bring offerings. All of these offerings begin to pile up. So the men that were working with that stuff went to Moses and said, hey, we've got too much. We've got too much. So tell the people to quit giving. Because the stuff is too much. We've got too much stuff. Now you've got to understand the, will, the reason that the children of Israel gave the stuff to the point that Moses had to said, quit giving it is because they desired the tabernacle. They desired to commune with God on a different level in which they were on. They desired, let me say it this way, more of God, more of his plan, more of his will to do. Now, I know they got in trouble. I know they did all kinds of crazy stuff. And I know it was another generation that went into Israel to possess the land. But during this time, the people were willing at that point to do what God said do. And they brought so much gold, so many jewels. Actually, all of this stuff that was given to them came where? Out of Egypt. When they came out of Egypt, everyone, the Bible says, went to his neighbor and said unto them, give me your wealth, give me your jewels. I like that cabinet over there. I like that over there. And the Bible says all of Egypt gave of their wealth to the children of Israel. And they walked out of there loaded up with all the jewels and wealth of Egypt. And so God said, just take an offering. Just take an offering. And they took an offering and Moses got up and said, we're not taking no more offerings because the stuff is too much. Now, this is a lesser covenant based on lesser promises. But they're willing hearts. Now, go real quick, if you will. Isn't this interesting? Yeah. Go to the book of 1 Chronicles. Now, this is, this is David. He had realized he was not going to be able to build the temple. See, we go from the tabernacle to the temple. The temple was the place where they were going to house the tabernacle. They were going to have the Holy of Holies, have the inner court and the outer court. This is where people could come and worship the Lord. This is where the high priest would go in. This is where they wanted to accomplish what was called the service of the Lord. Now notice what it says here. uh, Chapter 29 of the book of 1 Chronicles. It says in verse 1, Furthermore David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, uh, for the place is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared, now listen to this. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of God, the gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, and the brass for the things of brass, the iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble and stones in abundance. Moreover, now notice this. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. Mm -mm -mm. See, we so take church for granted. We, we, we We treat church so flippantly. I think that's one of the things the Lord did for me when I first went into ministry. It really helped me in field ministry was to give me a revelation of what really the local church was. Because everywhere I went, I wasn't really bent on building my ministry. I was bent on building that local church that I was a part of. I would go in and my meetings would be geared to build that church. We got many letters, many times people would come back to us and say, after your meeting, 10 families were added, 15 families were added. I remember many of our meetings that we did where we asked the people to do day services. This is what I said. I said, if you'll do day services in three years, in three years, we'll have many, as many people in the day services as we had in the night services the first year we came. That happened without exception. The churches grew. The churches blessed. You've got to understand, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And when it comes to weightier matters, I want you to know I believe the church is more important to the body of Christ on earth today than the temple was to them back in that day. But they had such a heart toward it, they were ready to give anything to build it. And I hear people, man, I get letters and people talk about, well, you know, it's, it's really good when the church is not here and this outreach. Well, you know, when, when there's not a church sitting, there's not. That's a bunch of, a bunch of garbage. Only the church pertank, contains the correct structure necessary for the Holy Ghost to move and for men and women to grow up in God. And when you take the element out of the church and anything that is spiritual in the earth today, you are opening the door up for the devil to come in there and deceive men and women and mess them up. Hmm. Don't get many amens on that one. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above. One amen. See, people don't like that. Over and above. Well, I'll do what I want to. But the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient. Many times we're obedient. Well, I'll tithe and I'll offer and I'll give a little money toward the the Africa crusade. But I I really don't like it because I could really use that money. You don't understand the principle of prosperity. That the more you give away, the more is going to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You just got to be willing to stand and believe God and resist all the temptation of the devil to quit. Mm. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold of gold and of Ophar, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all the gold, things of gold, silver for things of silver, for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. All then is willing to consecrate uh, his service this day unto the Lord. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers over the king's worth, notice this, offered willingly because the leadership desired to give and do what God says that everybody that followed correct leadership did the same thing. If they're going to do it, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it. They recognize the blessing of God in doing the will of God with their finances and with their money. They could have held on to the gold. They could have held on to the silver. But they were willing to do what? To come up to another level. Listen, having the temple in Jerusalem was another level. David so desired to do it that he made preparation for it to be built knowing he'd never walk in the door. A friend of mine did a who's smarter than me did all the calculations of the amount. In that day, if that would have been equated to dollars in this day, David gave approximately 1.2 billion dollars. And then his captains of thousands, he's talking about his military, his mighty men, they gave another 900 million right behind him. They were serious. I said they were serious. One of the areas that Lee and I strive to lead this congregation is, is in giving. Amen. I mean, Lee and I, we give a lot of money. I'm, close to 35% of all of our income goes right back into ministry. Goes right back into ministry. You say, why? Because if you do not lead in something, nobody will follow you in it. Amen. But if you lead in something, then people will pick up the same heart and the over and above attitude and the desire for the house of God to expand. So you've got to understand, buildings for us, are not like buildings for them. The building for them housed the presence of God. That's what they deserve. A building for us is a tool. A building for us is a tool. You say, what do you mean? Just like when we started out. When we started out, we started out in a hotel ballroom. There were people that would not come to a hotel ballroom. Then we took a little building on 45th and we built it and there are people that came to that building that would not come to a hotel ballroom. But there are people that would not go to that. But then when we built this, there were people that would come to this that would not go to that. But then when we build a building, and it's ours, and it's not the old fill-in-the-blank... Garland's building, Pratt Lumber, it's, that's Island Church, and we gain, quote, an identity in the community. There are people that are looking for someone with enough wisdom and enough anointing, enough ability, and enough of the desire of God in them to produce something not of themselves, not of a denomination or a movement, but something when you step back and look at and consider all of the circumstances attached to it, you have to come to the conclusion that God had done it. You have to come to that conclusion. You cannot say that person, he went to college and he was an economic wizard. <laughs> it wasn't me. Well, they just had, you know, there was, there was 15 millionaires in the church and, and they all hit big wells and, and they wrote two checks and built it. That's not us, folks. Amen. That's not us. Amen. That's not us. No. At the end of the day when it's all said and done and the will of God is performed and the house of God is built and developed which is just a tool for us which does what? Brings more souls into the kingdom. Helps them find out who they are in Christ. They discover their calling, their destiny. Destiny we begin to send people out to the nations of the world. Instead of just giving we start sending them from our our, uh, local congregation. Do whatever God says to do in there. Bringing in conferences. Doing all that kind of stuff. Then people know. They look at it. They know. That's got to be God. Let me do that real quick. Go to to Isaiah. How's my time? Oh, my time is up. Well, we'll do this and we'll close. All right? Anybody liking this tonight? Let me see here. Let me find this real quick. Isaiah 61. Verse 7, it says, For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, the Lord, love judgment, I hate robbery, for burnt offerings, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Now notice verse 9. This is, this is neat. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among people. All that see and acknowledge them, all that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. Listen to this in the Amplified, verse 9. And their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them in their prosperity will recognize and acknowledge that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. You know what that means? Prosperity looks good on you. That means when God prospers his people and people see it, they recognize this is the seed that God has blessed. And I want you to know, in a time in which the economy of our nation and our area and our state are going to be declining of the world, it's going to be declining. It's falling toward that antichrist system. It's all pulling together. One world order, one world religion, one world this, one world that. In the midst of that, when people are freaking out about money, God is going to bless his church. They're going to rise up. They're going to do exploits. God's going to bless businesses. God's going to bless individuals. He's going to bring wealth into people's hands. They're going to build buildings. They're going to do the will of God. They're going to go to the nations of the world and they're going to reap a great harvest and they're going to do it. They're going to look good, do it. Look good doing it. And people are going to see them in their prosperity and say, this is God. They didn't get it politically. They didn't try to uh, connive to do it. They didn't try to do this, try to do that. That's why you know, oh Lord, I don't want to get off on that. That's why we have to walk in such integrity. And keep ourselves even above a lot of the junk that we see. People watch this stuff on TV. There's some preachers, I want to take them by the neck. (laughs) And say, do you know what you're doing? I believe there's a thousand people that are supposed to send me $70.77 for seven months. Do you know what you're doing? You're mocking the principles of the Word of God. People don't need to; they don't need to hear that. That's a carnival. That's sleight of hand. That's manipulation. No, we tithe. We offer. We give to the Lord. We have a willing heart. And then when God puts projects in our life—a tent to purchase, a missions, uh, 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 a crusade to finance—ten grand. When he puts pride, we rise to the occasion willingly. Wow, God, trust us to give somebody $10,000 so that they could go to Tanzania and hold a gospel crusade and see about 500 to 1,000 people saved. He trusts us to do it. Whoa, glory to God. God, trust us to go buy a tent and to buy some barbecue pits and a few bicycles and go out in the community and tell people, Jesus loves you, period. End of story. He loves you. He's not mad about you. He cares for you. He wants to save you. God says, I'm for that. I'm for that. We do it willingly. We do it with the right heart. God says, I'm for that. But all this other stuff, oh, my Lord. That's why, you, that's why when you turn it on, you watch it for five minutes, you have to turn it off. Because it so grieves your spirit. It's not right. But the, that doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, we stick to our principles. We walk in integrity. One of the principles that the Lord gave us when we started the church, the money issue is not an issue between me and you, you and the church. It's between you and God. But if you can settle it between you and God, then you know everything I've got is His. It's all His. All He has to do is ask me. I'll give it all to Him. All He has to do is wink in my direction, and it's His. I'll give it all. No problem whatsoever. When you get to that point in your life, you're ready to be blessed and used on a level you've never dreamed of. And it's not easy many times to walk in integrity and believe God and stand in faith when all these other sleight of hand, all this other kind of stuff goes on. No, we just keep it simple. We stay in the Word of God, and we are the people. They're a money church. A bunch of rich people go there. I laughed when they said that. I just laughed. I thought, is that that what we look like? When they see them in their prosperity. Because you can't look like a money church. And not be God when you're not a quote money church. You say, "What do you mean you can't look like a money church?" When you're not, we don't go around pulling, dragging, doing everything we can do fundraisers. This, that, now you know we do fundraisers for our kids and stuff like that. But you know uh, 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 all this crazy kind of stuff people do. We don't do that. We don't do that. We give people an opportunity. That's all our offerings is is an opportunity for you to prosper an opportunity for you to obey God. It's not between you and the church, you and me, you and anybody, between you and God. When you can settle it and understand in the Word of God that there is a doctrine of prosperity that runs through the Bible, but it also contains wisdom, it also contains integrity, and it also contains the ability for the, for the believer today, because that's what we are today. We're believers. We're in uh, the redemptive side of this. Redemption has already happened. For the believers to understand that our purpose is to reproduce. Amen. To reproduce. Healthy sheep do what? Reproduce. People get saved. People get healed. People get touched. People get blessed. And people find out how good God really is. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and thank God. Father, we thank you tonight for your word as we get started in this, Father. I thank you that we as a church begin to develop a willing heart. Lord, as your, as your beautiful prophecies, your tongues, your interpretation of tongues that you've given us uh, in the past months, it said to allow our hearts to be expanded, to allow our hearts to grow, for our expectancy to grow, for our dream and our vision as a church for it to grow and for it to increase. So we do that, Lord. We open ourselves up to you. We open ourselves up to you, Father. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are the ones that you have blessed. We are the seed. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We thank you that the curse of poverty has been broken off of us. And I thank you, Father, that Island Church will prosper in the days ahead ahead, like it never has in the past. But Lord, what we did in a year, we'll do in a month. Lord, that we'll be able to bless people Build the buildings you tell us to build. Buy the land you tell us to buy. Help the missionaries you tell us to help. Clothe the orphans you tell us to clothe. Feed the hungry you tell us to feed. And to do the will of God everywhere we go. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone says? Amen. How many in here would say, Lord, give me a willing heart? Besides, we say, Lord, give me a willing heart to do the will of God in every area. Just hold hold your hand up. Let's, Let's say this out loud. Heavenly Father, give me. A willing heart help my heart to expand to the reality of the hour in which I live the need that is out there thank you father that you bless me you bless my life you bless my finances that as I obey you I'm increased and I thank you father I live in a better covenant than Abraham and your word says he was very rich I live in a better covenant than David. And he was very rich. But I thank you, Father. I possess things. I have things they did not have. But I thank you, Lord. On the material side, material will never control me. I will control it. And I will allow God to use me in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services. Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.